I read a quote this week that really shook me. I'm not sure how your weeks were. I struggled greatly this week. This quote was from an 18-year-old high school senior who was quoted as saying, I think he needed mental help and more closure with his family and love. This high school senior was talking about the perpetrator of the violence in Uvalde, Texas. I think he needed mental help and more closure with his family and love. This young man was calling it like he saw it. He said that he knew the other boy personally. He had gone to school with him. He recognized that he needed help. He needed family and he needed love. Did anyone else recognize that? Anyone in the neighborhood, anyone at school, anyone in the police department who had responded to the multiple domestic violence calls to the home of the boy and his mother. Why could an 18-year-old boy see that there were, was the need for help and seemingly no one else could? Or did people see the need or ignore it? Or did they see the need and couldn't find resources to help? What went wrong? Uvalde, Texas is not that much different than Tiffin, Ohio. We have a population of just over 17,000. They have a population of around 16,000. Just as we do, their consolidated school district had three elementary schools, one junior high and one high school. And just as we often do, they never thought anything like this could happen in their town, but it did. And for those affected, Tuesday would be the end of the world as they knew it. As I sat with my thoughts about yet another heinous attack in our country, I became more and more restless. Something needs to change. And I came back again and again to what I have always told my families and what I have tried to communicate to my churches that change begins with yourself. When the world needs to change, you change first, and only then will the world begin to change. If you want to change the world, look in the mirror and begin there. So that is what I did. I looked at myself and I wondered how I could personally affect change in this situation. We must first begin with prayer. We must pray intentionally for all who suffer grief because of the actions of others. We must pray for those who have suffered loss and pray for those who have survived and will suffer the long-lasting effects of trauma. We must pray for those who are in leadership within the school system that they will know how to forge a way forward to enable children to feel secure. We must pray for the perpetrator of violence. We must pray for those who have thoughts of violence that they may find a way. We must begin with a foundation of prayer, but that must just be the beginning. 
It's often easier for us to say a prayer and then move on with our lives. And we have the absolute privilege of doing that, but we do not have the right to do that. We can move on when others cannot. Therefore, none can move on. There is no back to normal. But oftentimes, we become worried about taking action and we talk ourselves out of it. Well, what could I do? What if I do or say the wrong thing? Well, friends, at this point, the time has come when we are called to do something. Whether we say or do the wrong thing, we need to do something. And my guess is that if you are feeling passionate and called to say or do something, then good will probably come of it. Action is not without risk. But sometimes you have to become so frustrated with the status quo that you are willing to take the risk. Let's look at the Apostle Paul in our scripture reading that Laura read to us this morning. Paul has been moved to do something about a woman that they have encountered as they toured and preached the gospel. The scripture says that this woman had hung around Paul and Cyrus as they, Silas as they walked and talked. And as she was walking with them, she was screaming out for everyone around them to hear, these men are slaves of the Most High God, and they proclaim a way to salvation. After several days of this, Paul grew annoyed. He was bothered by the woman. He had become aware, I am sure, that this woman was different, that there was something not typical about her. Scripture says that she had the, the spirit of divining within her, meaning that she could foretell the future for people, and those in the community had used that against her. They had used it to exploit her, making lots and lots of money on her abilities. Well, Paul is frustrated because this woman is not easy to be around. They're trying to approach people and preach the gospel, teach them about Jesus, and they have this woman yelling that they're coming and that they have something to teach. It would have been like having a commercial that you can't turn off, a live commercial walking around with you and yelling, hey, 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 look at them, look at them. You want to meet them, come and meet them, look at them. You can imagine how annoying that would be how difficult to manage, how hard to listen to, but the truth of it is she couldn't help it. She was taken by the spirit that had given her the ability to know things and tell things. She couldn't help that she was announcing them everywhere that they went. It just sort of happened without her really being able to stop it. In truth, she needed their help. She was afflicted. There was something wrong. She was being exploited because of her affliction and people were making a lot of money off of her and so no one would step forward and help her. Sometimes the people who need our love and our help the most are the most difficult to love and help. Finally, Paul becomes so bothered, so annoyed that he demands the afflicting spirit leave her in the name of Jesus. And the spirit does leave and she's restored to health and normality again. Except now, 
Paul has angered the people who were making money, who were exploiting her. She could no longer tell the future. She no longer had the knowledge that she did. She was no longer useful. And Paul and Silas were dragged off to the town center. They were reported to the Roman officials. They were beaten and taken off to prison. And the rest of the story is probably more familiar to you than the beginning. Paul and Silas are bound and imprisoned, and they continue to trust in God and praise God and worship, and they're singing God's praise. And in the middle of the night, the ground shook, and their chains were unbound, and the doors were opened. And the guards assume that their prisoners have escaped, and they prepare for the worst. But Paul cries out, no, we're, we're still all here. See, that's the part of the story that I've always heard, the chain-breaking, wall-crumbling, prison-saving God shows up and shows off. I never really paid much attention to the beginning of the story until now. The woman taken by spirits needed help. And Paul finally became so annoyed that it was worth the risk to help her. And he prayed in Jesus' name over her and she was relieved. Paul finally became bothered enough, annoyed enough that he would take action. He would, in the words of the scripture story, disrupt the city. Paul was finally bothered enough, annoyed enough with the status quo that he was willing to stir up some trouble. Remember we talked at Lent about stirring up trouble, good trouble, necessary trouble. Paul was finally annoyed enough, bothered enough that someone right in front of him was being taken advantage of. Someone right in front of him was being exploited and imprisoned by the greed and the wants of others. He couldn't take it anymore. And so he took action, even though it meant he would face imprisonment. Paul finally said, enough is enough. And he did something. He risks everything. He risks making people angry. He risks his own welfare and that of those traveling with him because enough is enough. Something had to change. Paul depended on the power of God, the name of Jesus, to do the work, but Paul had to make the choice to move. God's power and Paul's movement is what gets the job done. It's what disrupts the city. It's what stirs up good trouble, necessary trouble. The world needs to change. Enough is enough. We need to be the change. Look at what the future is. Look at what lies ahead of them. Enough is enough. I read another statement this week that shook me. I'm not sure who the original author was, but this statement was included in an open letter written by a ninth grade student named Abram Cressman following a shooting in Florida. Abram admitted that he struggles with religion and how an all-knowing and all-loving God can allow tragedies like this to happen. 
But within his struggle to understand, he allows space for belief. But he also implores Christians to act. He too didn't know the original author of the quote, but he included it in his writing, and it says, pray like God is always listening, but act as if you are the only one who can do something about it. Pray like God is always listening, but act as if you are the only one who can do something about it. Abram goes on to say, thoughts and prayers mean nothing if not followed by action. If you, like so many others, sit down for half an hour and pray to God to help these people, then you get up and do nothing, trusting in your God to take care of it for you, then are you truly helping? If you really believe that God will do something, then make sure God knows that you're doing something too. Friends, in our story today, Paul became exhausted with the frustration caused by the circumstance around him. He could no longer sit by and watch as a helpless person was taken advantage of, exploited, and hurt. I feel exhausted and frustrated by the world around me. I no longer feel comfortable living in a world that is so divided so broken that children cannot feel safe and that teachers wonder how to protect the most vulnerable. So I took a good look in the mirror and I asked how I could make a difference. And I have written myself a to-do list. I am challenging myself to change my own behavior I will monitor the way I speak about other people. I will no longer refer to others as any label. There will be no longer Republican, Democrat, liberals, conservatives, Christians, and atheists. I will see people. I will love those who are difficult to love, particularly those who are difficult to love. Because I understand that those who are difficult to love are often the ones that need love the most. My prayer is that by changing my own language and behavior, it will create a ripple effect around me and lower the divisive temperature in my surroundings. I will not view those who disagree with me as opposition. Just as John Wesley said, we don't have to believe alike to love alike. I have tried to do this for years, but I feel it time to reaffirm my commitment. I have reached out to a representative from Tiffin City Schools, and I have a meeting scheduled with them to see how I can support better our school system, and if there is a way that our collective churches can support Tiffin City Schools, their students, and their staff. I reached out to a mental health professional and asked about ways in which the church can help to destigmatize care for mental health or practical ways that we can help to create change around mental health in our community. And I'll be sharing that conversation with you in the coming weeks. I made a donation to the Rob School Memorial Fund to help with the monetary needs of the families of the victims of the shooting. I trust that God does hear our prayers. And I trust that God will empower us to make 
to be change makers in our community. I refuse to accept the status quo one more day. Look around you. Make a to-do list of things that could be positively impacted by your actions. Look around you and discover ways that you can turn down the temperature around you, at home, at work, in your personal relationships. Because right now, there are people around us who reflect the same kinds of struggles as that troubled young man did. And someone is looking at him and saying, I think they need help with their mental health. They need help within their family. I think they need love. God is listening. And God is calling us to move. Because enough is enough.